Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Epiphany season this Tuesday. We're getting towards the end of Epiphany. Looking forward to Transfiguration Sunday this next Sunday and straight into Ash Wednesday of the season of repentance. But today is 2-2-2-2-2-2 Tuesday as the light of Jesus shines on us as we pray and study Psalm 16. Yep, we're back in the Psalms as we take a step back to pray. We'll be in Matthew until the very end of, the beginning of Easter, excuse me, end of Lent, where we have been since December, but we decided to extend it a little bit. It is good for us to pray the Psalms, which our Lord gives to us. And Psalm 16 is a great prayer by David as he not only prays, but proclaims the truth of who the Lord Yahweh is is. It's quoted in the book of Acts twice in very profound ways, proving who this Jesus is, the son of David. As we hear this today, we pray together for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome regular guest Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, happy epiphany and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yeah, yeah, good to be back, Brady. So tell me, how cold is it in Sartell, Minnesota this morning? <laughs> is this like a, like a joke? Like, boy, it's cold. How cold is it? You know, how cold anyways, is it? Um, I, don't, I don't even know. It's it, The problem for us is more snow than anything. Oh, and my I'll say this. I was in Concordia, Missouri this weekend, seeing, um, hanging out with my daughter, who is ah. part of the singing, singing Saints there. And they sang at Our Redeemer Lutheran and Marshall. What a blessing that was to our family. And there I could have left church in shorts. I could have walked out yesterday morning with sandals on, but it's about an 80 degree difference of, of temperature. I'll just start there. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to rub it in, but yeah, I think we're going to be in the 60s today. Although again, in the next few days, it's going to be back to single digits here in the St. Louis area. So, uh, but, but I know it's, see, that's when I say to a Minnesotan, oh, we're going to be in single digits and they say, oh, well, good. You're above zero. <laughs> That's a good thing it's for a, you, isn't it? To be above zero. Life. It's yeah, a tough yeah. life. Absolutely. So, yeah. so pastor, what's going on for you besides the weather, your family, and uh, anything new on wrestling with the basics? Uh, no, no, we're going to get ready. I don't know if we're going to do a special series for uh, uh, Lent or not, although uh, I, I also do a little thing on uh, 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 yeah Monday afternoons with, with Gary Duncan from the station there, and we're going to be starting uh -huh. a special series with Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke's going to give us his uh, version of, of what happened uh, in Holy Week, so we're excited about that. What time is that on and on Mondays? Is it every Monday? I wish I knew. <laughs> I think I, I'm not sure. You know how it is, Brady. A lot of things we record in advance. Uh, I, I, it's called a moment on the lighter side. Just just go go to the website there at KFU and, and you can stream it. Or I'm sure it tells you exactly when it's broadcast. Sometime early, I think, 1 o'clock, 1230. <laughs> That's sad to say. I don't know. <laughs> well, I I won't I ask look you that time up. schedules anymore. I will not ask it anymore. Oh, here it is. I see it. It's Mondays got... at noon until one o'clock. Mondays okay. at noon until one o'clock. So right. Very that's good. the time to tune in. Or as we know, we can go on demand anytime, anywhere. So, uh, Pastor, uh, 
today we are doing the psalm, so I'm going to start this way. If you have any questions concerning our text as we study and pray Psalm 16, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call 314-821-0850. When we go back to the psalms here, Pastor, it is, I'll start by praying. So I will read through, which also I'm praying God's word, Psalm 16, do the Gloria Patri, and then come back for some of your introductory thoughts. One, I do want to ask this. So when we're praying, I want you to think about it is the importance of praying the Psalms in, 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 in as individual Christian and also in worship, how you want to uh, speak to that. That's a common question I'm asking. So I, you know, I could have told you a week ago, but why not tell you just <laughs> right now? So anyway, so. So let's begin by praying Psalm 16, a psalm of David, or a miktam of David. David prays, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord Yahweh, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are, in, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord Yahweh is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord Yahweh who gives me counsel. In the night night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord Yahweh always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. 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 As we as we prayed this morning, uh, Pastor, tell us about the Psalms. Why is it important for us as Christians, and and also a lot of times we use it in worship. Why is why are they both important for us? Uh, well, see, I I think we need to talk about prayer first, um, because because here here's the problem, here's the danger. Uh, prayer can become a mere formality. Uh, in fact, that's what worries me a lot of times. The Lord's Prayer, for example. Uh, do we actually pray the Lord's Prayer, or is it just something we recite? Um, mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. I'm, I'm really glad you brought it up, because we have to realize that what we are here, what you just shared with us, were the words of a man who was wrestling with some real problems. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, and he's frankly talking to God and, and looking for God, uh, to God, rather, for encouragement and, and faith. And, and, and the, the beauty is, even as he's praying, uh, the, the Lord is working. The Spirit is also coming back to him and, and giving him the very faith and encouragement that he's looking for. But you see, if he was just doing this because, well, okay, it's time to read the psalm, <laughs> which I'm afraid is often the attitude we have uh, in worship. You were talking about psalms of worship, but well, okay, mm-hmm. we got to do a psalm at the beginning, right? That's We have an intro, and well, usually that's a psalm. Uh, but, but it's very important for us to realize, no, no, these are words that we have to speak from our heart. Our, our better said... These are words that we have to say, Holy Spirit, move my heart to speak. Because honestly, as humans in our sinful flesh, we are incapable of making any kind of real prayer to God. 
<laughs> and what prayers we would make would be totally self-focused uh, and certainly not express thy will be done as we begin the Lord's Prayer. Um, but yeah, yeah. And see, what I like about it again, then we, because we, we, what I love about the Old Testament, Brady, is is we have to read, these are real people just like us, got the same kind of struggles and trials we have, and the same kind of faith that, that God has blessed us with. So, so you're absolutely right. And, and again, my only warning would be, because here's what happened in the Middle Ages. They, they read the Psalms all the time in the Middle Ages. In fact, there were right. people that would get together seven times a day to read the Psalms. But you see, they didn't pray the Psalms. They just read them because that's what you did. It was time to do it for matins or our vespers or our lods or whatever the, the particular ceremony was. Okay, that's this time. This is the psalm we read. But but they didn't they didn't really think of the words, hear the words, speak the words as if it was the desires of their heart. So God grant that we continue to use the psalms daily and use them in, in our worship. But also God grant us a spirit that they're not just things that we're reading. But they're things uh, that uh, come from the Holy Spirit, uh, both to God and back to us. And that's why it's important as we hear it often. And I need this reminder, what you just said to us, Pastor, is that, you know, to read Mark and inwardly digest the Word ah, of God and how easy yeah. is it for us to, all of us, I mean, we can look at the the people of old and go, oh, how dare they not focus like me? Like, okay, okay, buddy, <laughs> let's ask you that question, you know? Um, but it is, and it is important um, for us to have the words to pray or else we just start kind of repeating in our own like heartfelt prayers, which are important as well. And I, I heard this quote from a pastor recently, which I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it, it kind of repeats itself when it talks about praying the Psalms is, is it's almost as if God says to us, I want you to praise me. I want you to pray, but you're not good at praying. I want you to praise me because you are an egomaniac, but you will not praise <laughs> me with the right words because you keep talking about yourself. I will give you these words, and through these words, you will glorify me, and you will see Christ. And it kind of repeats itself over and over and over again. It's, I want you to pray, but yet you don't pray. And when you do pray, don't pray right. So here's a psalm for you to pray correctly. Now, it's all tongue in cheek a little bit, but it does it does show us the importance of the Psalms to slowly go through them, which is our goal here um, through the Psalms this week as we go back to Matthew next week. And it's important for us to uh, um, to have the words because we know it is the word of God. So therefore, as you said, the Holy Spirit fills us as well. So, Pastor, anything else you want in general about Psalms well, before we move well, to Psalm 16? Well, let me give you a, a kind of a related uh, example. Uh, so for Valentine's Day, I gave my wife uh, a double album of Andre Bocelli. Do you know Andre Bocelli? No idea. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, when you get off, you know, you've got to go go on the Internet because you, you he's this beautiful Italian singer. And he's the, he sings mm. these wonderful. Uh, well, they are psalms. Now, they're not scriptural psalms, but they, they are. Psalms are songs, right? They're hymns. And so he has these beautiful songs he sings. The, the problem is they're all in Italian. <laughs> so we really don't have any idea what they're beautiful. And we can tell he's very emotional about it, uh, but we don't have any idea what he's saying. And so you can go on Google, go on the Internet, and, and there's any number of sites that will have these these beautiful songs translated. And yet when you read them, you're thinking, ah, they must have used Google Translate or something because it still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. And I bring that up because this particular psalm you've given us today, there are some things in here 
that we don't really understand. Uh, I don't know if people realize Hebrew is a dead language, uh, and the only really source we have is the Bible itself. And a lot of times there's words that are used infrequently, and they're kind of hard to grasp. And uh, But see, I was thinking in terms of what you said, I think the Lord is teaching us that. That when we come to these psalms and we think, oh, this will be easy. I'll just read this. There'll be nothing to it. But 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 he says, no, if you start thinking about it, if you start listening to the words, listening to what you are saying, the words that I've given you to, to sing to me, as you said, you're going to find some things that you don't understand. And that's good. That's to humble you. That's to remind you that uh, faith is not a matter of your reason. No, no, we cannot by our own reason or strength uh, even pray the psalms. Um, but. As you're doing it, all of a sudden these things will pop out and you'll say, well, I understand that completely. That makes total sense. Although if you reflect on it, you, you say, well, I don't know why that would make sense. That is a different, but I, we'll give you some examples as we go through of things that if, if you were, if you were thinking in fleshly terms, you would say, well, that, that isn't, that's not understandable. But with the gift of the spirit, you and I as Christians hear it and we understand exactly what's being said. Uh, and I'm referring to the verse you mentioned already, the verse that is at the center of Paul's preaching and Peter's yeah. preaching. Well, I'm yeah. jumping the gun there a little bit. Okay. You are, but it, it brings anticipation because not only was this prayed by David, but also used as a proclamation of Christ in the book of Acts. I mean, how? I mean, you always hear of Joel chapter 2 in the Pentecost sermon, but rarely have I thought of Psalm 16 as part of when Peter preached. So let's get to that. Let's start, let's start getting into this as we are looking at Psalm 16. Now, right at the beginning, before we even read a official verse, it says a Mick Tom, maybe, maybe pronounced differently, of David. And everything I read said, we have no idea what this is besides a <laughs> musical term. So any, any thoughts you have on that? <laughs> well, let's see, that's exactly the point I'm making. So I'm listening to Andrew Bocelli, and I have no idea what it is. And, and right off the bat, we have a Mick Tom. What, what does that mean? Uh, uh, now, I will tell you the one thing I did discover, and, and we need to be honest with people. We need to say, we, we don't actually understand that. But don't worry. I've got something coming up that you will understand. Um, right. uh, it could be a musical term. It could simply be the way they inscribed certain psalms, uh, the type of psalm it is. It's a mictum, whatever that means. Although it's interesting that, that there's another Hebrew word that is very, very similar to this that is the word for gold. And I noticed that there were some early uh, church uh, commentators that thought this is the golden one of the golden hymns of David. Uh, and if so, that certainly would fit because we're going to have some real gold uh, as we move towards the end of this text. Uh, so maybe that's what it is. This, this It's a way of saying, you know, David wrote a lot of Psalms and they're all good, but this one's, this is the gold here, which, which since we just finished the Olympics, we all know the significance of the gold. That's kind of the best mm. of the best. And it's not that the other weren't good because you, you wouldn't be doing that if you weren't in, good to be in the Olympics, but then there's the best of the best. So maybe that's the thought of a mictum of David. Might be. And and also, we it is a term used in Psalms 56 to 60, as you look at those golden Psalms as well. So let's, let's dig into uh, Psalm 16. I will begin in verses 1 and 2. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. 
So right now, David is explicitly speaking to God, and throughout this psalm, he kind of talks back and forth, talks to God. It's almost like he's talking to others, or he's just giving a general prayer. But here, he is explicitly speaking to God. What do you find in these first two verses? All right, well, let me let me raise this issue right off the bat. So we know it's David. It says it's a victim of David. But could it also be the prayer of Jesus? Could this be Jesus that's talking here, too, mm. uh, mm-hmm. through David, who is his prophet? So as we listen to this, we think about that. Would these words also be appropriate for Jesus? Because, you know, Jesus, talk about talk about saying the Psalms. Jesus quotes the Psalms all the time in, in, in the most right. peculiar situations, too. But but anyway, uh, the, the obvious point here is preserve me, O God. So we don't know what the problem is. Uh, he's not explicit, but he's got a problem. Because if things are going fine, I don't need God to preserve me. In fact, that's the great danger when things are going fine. I don't really need God at all. <laughs> I got it all under control. So so we know that there's something here that's troubling David. Uh, but, but the great thing is he knows where to go. Uh, the Lord is his refuge. And, and don't you love this verse? And again, we, we say it, but do we really listen? Do we contemplate it? Do we let the Spirit work in our heart with it? I have no good apart from you. Do people really understand that? That any good thing that they're enjoying right now, as you and I are speaking to them, that comes from the Lord. And if the Lord wasn't with us, well, we could still have millions and millions of dollars and all, all kinds of earthly blessings and big fancy cars and live in mansions, and yet we would have no good thing. None of those things would be good for us, except that the Lord is with us. And then every good thing we have then comes from the Lord. Uh, and I just think that is such a profound statement to recognize mm, that there's mm-hmm. no blessing we have that isn't a blessing. That, and, and indeed, all the blessings we have would not be blessings if they didn't come from the Lord. I heard recently there were a few people that spoke after the Super Bowl. And a gentleman by the name of Jalen Ramsey, who's a cornerback for the um, now Los Angeles Rams, uh, that he they asked him just, you know, what faith and everything else. And he said, without Jesus, I wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. And I think that is a good quote that connects us to this. Now, Jalen Ramsey says that in prosperity, which is even more humbling, because like you said, it's hard for us to like give God the glory when we're in prosperity, because I think I did it. And for him to say yeah. that then, and David clearly here is saying the same words, but in some kind of despair. And it reminds me of Psalm 91, where he says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, Psalm 91, verse 2. So definitely there's, you know, David is speaking. We're seeing this similar language. He knows there's nothing good. What, I can't remember the other psalm that says, there's no one who's good, no, not one. Um, the language is very similar to realize that this guy, David, needs the Lord. So there, I mean... Verses one and two could be a whole program in itself, but anything else you want to highlight? Because this sets the stage, I believe, for the rest of our. Well, I, I'd say I, I want to remind everybody that what God says is that thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and again, in, in our flesh, we think, boy, that's a pretty egotistical thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> what kind of God is that? Well, I, well, but, but, but then when you understand the truth of this, there is no good apart from the Lord. You can understand why God gives that command. Because as right. we're going to see in the next verses, you go after other gods, you're not going to have anything good. You'll lose everything that's good. And that's the only reason God says don't have any other gods before me, because I'm the only one who loves you. I'm the only God that does everything possible to bring your blessing and care. 
nobody else is going to do that for you. So, so I just, I, I thought that was kind of cool that that's why God says, don't have any other gods because there aren't any other gods that'll do for us what God would do for us. And we'll see that now in the next two verses too. So. You know, one of the words I, I, I do want to think about a little bit is that word refuge. You ah. know, we'll hear words like refugee, um, and that's not really a, a term that we go, oh, wow, I want to, you know, I want to be that, or I want to take this. Uh, we hear it in Psalm 91, like I said. And and so what, what if someone were to ask you, Pastor, what does it mean to take refuge? I, you know, isn't refuge like when you go hunting and there's all this stuff I have to walk through that's going to make it harder for me to, you know, to hunt? Or what, I mean, what is refuge when he speaks here? Well, now, see, that's interesting because if you talk about an animal refuge, an animal right. refuge is what you look. But see, that's precisely the thing. You cannot hunt the animals in the animal refuge. Right. <laughs> you know. See, I know. I know. That's right. They're going to come and arrest you and take you away to jail because that's the thing. They're, they're the animals are protected. But but see, that's the other nuance of this. We think that in order for God to give us all good things so that there's no good apart from him, he's got to shower us with blessings, right? Oh, make us healthy, oh Lord, give us lots of money, uh, uh, guarantee our future because we've got good stocks invested in money market funds. And, and of course, the Lord looks at it and says, well, you foolish man, that doesn't give you any protection. <laughs> Those things will be taken away from you at a moment's notice. And they will be taken away from you from a moment's notice. All mm -hmm. those things that you've sought refuge in, they, they're, they're totally temporary. You could lose them at any time. No, no, that's the point. See, and we're going to see that in this psalm. The only refuge you have, the only thing that is reliable uh, uh, with absolute assurance that you'll never lose, and that is the Lord himself. Uh, so the next time you go run into your money or your good health or your strength or your wisdom, because you think that's your refuge, be forewarned, those things will all fail you. Even the people around you that you trust. And again, these are all blessings from God. I'm not denying it. Everything I mentioned, health, wealth, uh, friendship, but but they're not the place to seek refuge because those things need refuge as well. And the ref refuge is found in the Lord. So let's do verse three. That, that's very helpful as we look at, the, look at the word refuge. And verse three sets the tone for three and four kind of a, a, a distinction between the difference of saints and idolaters. So we'll just do verse three. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now, reading that, your your first reaction is, well, I want to be one of those. Yes. <laughs> I want to be a Don't saint we? if that's what the deal yeah. is. What is he saying? What is he telling us about saints? Well, I tell you what, why don't you go and read verse 4, if you don't mind, because there's a contrast that's going on here, and it might be ah. helpful to see that contrast. And, and and with that, the question for you, our listeners, and for us as we teach is, okay, what is a saint? And then verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offering offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Now, Pastor, you spoke earlier about this being a, really a first commandment psalm. So here we see it full bore is saints and what we call idolaters. What's happening here? So, I mean, that that's the issue. You got two groups of people. You got the people who, who belong to the Lord. Uh, that That's uh, a, a saint uh, is literally, well, uh, the, the word holy could be used here, but that just pushes the question further down the line. What's it mean to be a saint? What's it mean to be holy? And, and at the root of all these words is the idea that you've been set apart. Uh, you're, you're not 
part of the hoi polloi, as they say. You've been separated out. Uh, I, I've used this illustration with you before. In our church, we have a flagon, it's called. You've you got a flagon, don't you? Of course, of course, of course. Why would we not? And, and, and well, we well we use it for the Lord's Supper. That's where we put the wine for the Lord's Supper, uh, and that is a holy thing. That is a holy. That's a saintly flagon, in that we don't we don't use it to pour coffee or Kool Aid out, right? Mm, if, if you're if you're running short of of pitchers, your 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 ladies group wouldn't say, "Hey, get that flagon. We can no no no, because <laughs> no, it's it's holy. It's separate." Uh, and that's and what I love about that image is you see that flagon doesn't make itself holy, does it? Right. No, no. It, it, the people who use it make it holy, and that's what's happened to us. God has taken us, and He said, "You're not part of the world anymore. I've separated you out. You're special. You're 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 unique. You belong to me. You don't belong to any other God. You do need to because you go running after you want to be used for coffee, <laughs> and I only want to use for you for holy deeds. That's what I want to use. Uh, although pouring coffee can be a holy deed. Now nah, I've got myself <laughs> off track, uh, uh, <laughs> but." Uh, um, now, now, of course, the Jews understood this because that's how they used the word holy. Uh, and, and, you know, when they're talking about things that are defiled, uh, they, they mean things that are common, things that everyone does. We don't do that see, because we're holy. But the problem is they, they didn't understand that God wants everybody to be holy. He wants all nations to be holy. And in fact, in his forgiveness, they would be holy to him. They would be set apart. But, of course, if they're going to go run after another God, see, that that's the sad thing, isn't it? Uh, when a sheep runs away, God can't stop the sheep from running away. When the prodigal son runs away, the father can't stop the prodigal son from running away. But but trust me, that that father, that shepherd, that sheep, that sinner uh, out of the, the hundred, that's still absolutely crucial and important for them because, because they're the ones that belong to God. They are the excellent ones, as it says here. And whom is all my delight? Yeah. Well, I want to be one of those, and that's why we'll talk more about that on the other side of our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 16 with Pastor John Lukomsky, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 16 with Pastor John Lekomsky. And as we've gone through, we've seen, we've talked about what it means to be a saint of the Lord, which is taking refuge, literally, in Him who He makes us holy. And when we're holy, He delights in us, which is just kind of one of those interesting dynamics as Christians, that the holiness that we need, He freely gives. And in that holiness that He gives, He delights in us. So it reminds us it's not at all our work but it is his own. 
but then at the same time, how easy it is for us to look to ourselves and other, quote, God, small g, to find our holiness, and we keep going after it, which is what verse 4 says. Um, he does not delight in that. So, Pastor, what do we do with verse 4? Well, well, again, I, and I think you've you've hit it right on the head that that's that's the issue. Uh, what are you looking to for your refuge? If you're looking to your own uh, wisdom, yourself, your strengths, your powers, nope, nope, that's not going to make the Lord happy because, as as He's already said, that is not going to solve your problems. You will not find the answers to your struggles and trials and afflictions and that, uh, and and. The Lord teaches us that. You've probably experienced that. I have too, where we thought we had everything taken care of. And then, of course, all of our plans uh, fall to, to nothing. Uh, but that's okay, because then the Lord comes along and says, look, I was taking care of you all along. <laughs> and now that you understand you can't take care of yourself, just trust me. I am and I will and will do so forever. Uh, uh, so actually, that's where the whole discipline of the Lord comes in. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and you know what? I think Brady and I reflect on this. That's why David has so many trials. Because what we forget is David was a righteous man, but David was also a sinner. And like us, it was so easy, especially for him, because he was king. He controlled mighty armies. He had a, a great nation at his disposal. And how easy it was for him to think he was the one who really was accomplishing all these things. Far cry from one of you was just this helpless little shepherd trying to fight a giant with a handful of rocks. You know, I think that's where you learn to trust the Lord when you got a giant and all you got is a handful of rocks. But when you're a mighty king with thousands of horsemen, maybe you do start to think that you can take care of things. So. And here it uses unique language in verse four, and it talks about idolaters, but then it brings, like you said, very much so like you said at the beginning, I don't get this. So it says, yeah. their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Now, the last time I have never seen a drink offering <laughs> get poured out in uh, with blood in, in my life, but there's a significance to that. What did you find on the blood offerings that he speaks of? Well, I, I think, again, it's the idea of, of we have something to offer God that's going to change what's going on. And and mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard for us to understand that when we give gifts to God, we're not giving to the, Him because we think somehow that's going to influence Him. And, oh, look what I like. Oh, look what John gave me. I guess I owe him one. <laughs> right, um, right. But that is the attitude of the pagans. That's exactly why they pour out their blood offerings. And indeed, I, and I see again, I read all kinds of things here. We just don't know, Brady. We don't know. It's, that's it. It's like, listen to Andrew Bocelli. I'm not sure what he's saying. Uh, is he talking about human sacrifice? <laughs> Sacrifice, because we know the pagans did do that. They literally mm-hmm. did have uh, sacrifices of, of human blood. Are they simply talking about the fact that almost all sacrifices involved blood in some way? I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But but obviously right. he's pointing to people who rely upon their offerings, their sacrifices, uh, forgetting that, no, the only reason you made a sacrifice in the Old Testament wasn't that you were going to give something to God and then he'd owe you but it was reminding you that God was going to make the ultimate sacrifice. Because frankly, do you think, well, God says that, do you think a thousand goats are really going to change anything? If you sacrificed a thousand bulls and lambs, does that really? No, no, no. But but for those who were believers, they understood God had promised a sacrifice. In fact, that's alluded to in this text, uh, that mm-hmm. there is a sacrifice that's going to be made. Uh, and that one sacrifice would be sufficient for all. 
And that's a that's a great. I mean, it, it connects us to that full and sufficient sacrifice of Jesus's blood, not your offering, but my offering for your sake is what He will um, pour out on us, and for the sake uh, keep our names on His lips. Which I mean, it's just phenomenal uh, uh, reminder for us. He shows us the opposite of that, and then obviously throughout the Bible, He points us to the the real sufficient. Um, salvation for each one of us, so that we may be the excellent ones that he speaks of in verse 3. Pastor, anything else before we move on? Well, yeah, just two quick things. One, I I thought Luther had a really interesting insight in verse 3 and 4, because he said, so that that these verses are saying the saints are the one that God loves, and and, and the idolaters, no, no, uh, he will not take their names on, on, on their lips. But Luther says it doesn't seem that way, does it? Doesn't it seem like the people that worship the other gods, they're the ones that prosper. They've got all the money. They've got all the power. And and we as Christians, we're kind of picked on. You know, if you watch TV, it seems like we're made fun of all the time or whatever. So I did think that was an insight from Luther that this is a this what we just read is a thing of faith because you won't see it in the world. It doesn't seem like we're the ones that God delights. But then the second thought that just came to me as we're doing this study, Brady, is can you see Jesus speaking these words? Can you see Jesus hanging mm-hmm. on the cross saying, God, I, I need you. I need your refuge. I know you're the only one that's going to get me out of this. You're, there's no good apart from you. I look around, God. I see the saints out there around my cross, and I take delight in these saints, even though I know they're weak, even though I know they're full of doubt. And some of them actually betrayed me. But I, I no, no, I also look at all these other people, these idolaters, and, you know, I feel sad for them because I wish that they would convert and repent too. So it just occurred to me, this could be Jesus. He could be praying this psalm as he Mm -hmm. hangs on the cross. Yeah. Well, anyway. And it's a good reminder for us as we read this and pray this is, Lord, keep me from this idolatry. It's not just... Well, good thing I'm a holy one, you know, and I'm like those people say, wait, no, I do see me running after idols. And therefore, let me stand firm on the cornerstone of the blood that was shed for me. So verses and, and, five. And Brady, and, okay, Brady, 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 going. Okay. Brady well, no, but, well, no, see, because you hit it right on the head. So what is that? What What is our response when we see that we're also the people that run after idols? Because we all do that. So is our response is, well, I guess I won't do that anymore. No, our response should be, oh, man, I got to go back to the Lord for my refuge. Because in my sinful nature, that's what I'm going to do all the time. And there's no avoiding that. There's no overcoming that by my strength. I, oh, Lord, let me be. You be my refuge. See, that? that's that's the beauty of that. So thank you for that comment, because I had not thought about it that way. But, yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all idolaters in one way or the other. And the only refuge for that is going back to the Lord, not by our strength or our effort. And that's why when we look at the number, the few next verses, it does yeah. bring us continually back to Christ. I mean, it just, it just, it just over and over. That's why I love this psalm as well. So five and six is is really a um, uh, the Lord's counsel, which is something that that we need to kind of unpack a little bit. So he continues, "The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed." I have a beautiful inheritance. Excuse me, I was actually talking about counsel for seven and eight, but this one talks more about <laughs> our identity as one that has a chosen portion. What is what is David praying right now? And, and see, here's the thing. Again, we've got all kinds of language here, and honestly, we don't know. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of like, again, listening to Andrew Bocelli, even in the English translation, it's, it's poetry and, and especially not knowing Italians. I'm, I'm not quite sure because is, is the reference here about uh, uh, the lines have fallen, uh, my chosen portion, uh, beautiful inheritance. It sounds like that might be referring back to what God did when he brought the people to the promised land. Uh, because in the promised land, portions were given out. That that word is used, right? The 12 tribes, they all got their portion of the land. Lines were drawn out about which would be their country and what would be, you know, Benjamin's country and what would be Judah's country. Um, and so that that could be. Maybe that's what a reference to, that as God distributed the promised land to his uh people of Israel. So this is what God is going to do for us too. He'll give us the pleasant places, the beautiful inheritance. The word cup, see, what do you do with cup? Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? But but usually in the Old Testament, the word cup is not a good thing. Uh, the image of the, well, sometimes it's just a cup. Okay. Sometimes the word just is a cup, but very often in the poetic uh, language, the cup is the cup of God's wrath. It's his punishment. It's its anger. It's what Jesus says, take this cup away from me. And if so, then what, what David is saying here is, Lord, my good stuff, my chosen portion, but also my suffering, my trials, my cup, all of this is in your hands. You, you hold my lot. Uh, and we do know what lot means there. Uh, lot is a way uh, of your destiny, who's in control of you, right? They cast lots for Jesus' robes, and that would determine who got the robe. And, and that clearly is the teaching here that however it goes for us, Brady, however it will go for us today, whether it be a, a thing of, of pleasant places or a thing of a cup of struggles, that's all up to the Lord. He's the one that's going to determine that destiny. But if that's so... Isn't that a great comfort then to find out that in his holding my destiny, I'm guaranteed pleasant places and a beautiful inheritance, even if beforehand I find myself drinking from a bitter cup. See, the bitter cup will never be the end of what God does in his uh, control of my destiny, but the end will always be pleasant places and a beautiful inheritance. And can't you see Jesus speaking these words as he's getting ready to go to the cross. Yeah, so. And there definitely is a, the, the cup is confusing because like you said, often is, you know, um, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, take this cup from me, which is obviously a cup of wrath. But then also you see Psalm 23, you know, where it says, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And there you have that kind of reception of God's grace that just overflows upon us as well. And here I'm not exactly sure how to um, interpret it in, in, a, in, a, in a thus says the Lord guarantee type of situation. But definitely, like you said, that even when I have this cup of wrath, the Lord has chosen me. And when my portion overflows, the Lord has chosen me and held my lot, which is just a wonderful vision when you think of, you being an empty cup and the, the gifts of Christ, you know, filling us or the Lord holding us like the good shepherd, you know, carries his sheep when it is lost type of language. I mean, it really brings us back. I found this Psalm to Psalm 91, but also to Psalm 23. I felt myself going back and forth continuously as I studied this. And it ends with that beautiful language of a beautiful inheritance, reminding us of our eternity with him. Anything else in those uh, verses, Pastor? 
Well, now see, you've got me thinking. I love doing this with you, Brady, because you, you you make me think. So maybe yeah. that's intentional, that a cup can be a thing that's good and overflows with the grace. Because, man, when you take the cup of the Lord's Supper, don't you just feel overwhelmed by the grace of God? Yeah. What yeah. a banquet that he would shed his blood for me, for the forgiveness of sins. And that's that overflowing cup. And yet it is interesting that that cup wouldn't be possible except that Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath and anger and punishment on the cross. So maybe it always has to kind of be a dual image because there is no cup of blessing apart from the cup that Jesus Christ drank on the cross. But see, I never would have thought about that until you brought up the business about Psalm 23. So anyway, that's another thought too, yeah. Oh, it's just everywhere. And that's the beauty. And I remind you, our listeners, is to take your time. And for us, and this is a challenge for us, too, because we have an hour, like, oh, my gosh, we need to get done in an hour. But when you read these passages, if something else comes up in your mind or your heart, look it up. Go back to Psalm 23. Like I said, Psalm 91. There's other Psalms. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as a mini passage that pastor, pastor has brought up today, too. Take your time. If you get done with two verses in an hour, Thanks be to God, because it, as we know, Scripture interprets Scripture, and it all points us back to Christ. So what, what a joy that is um, for us as we look at Psalm 16. Uh, and, and, well, I always have to ask this. Keep going. Yep. Well, Brady, no, I was just going to say in respect to what you said, that's what I always taught my people when I was a pastor. If you run across a passage you don't understand, well, don't worry about it. Just keep on reading. And, and right. then you'll probably find something. Oh, oh, now I understand what he was saying back there. See, because you're right. You true. just got to go back Very to true. the Word of God. Yeah. That's it. So let's go to seven and eight. As I would say the riches just keep getting better and better. Verses seven and eight. I bless the Lord Yahweh who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord Yahweh always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So, so I, I so want to start here. I okay. want to start here before you start talking is yeah. I will bless the Lord. And that's something I've, uh, you know, bless we the Lord, we will say at the end of our worship service. And it's something that you're like, what do you mean bless? Uh, I'm going to bless the Lord. No, he blesses me. Pastor, you have any insight on that? If someone asks you, what do you mean bless the Lord? Because he blesses me. What are you talking about? Well, see, I think that's actually what it says, doesn't it? I bless the Lord, not just I bless the Lord, but I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Uh, it, it's exactly what we've been talking about. We come to these things. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> you know, uh, the Lord tells me that he loves me, and I look and see that I've, I've got all kinds of illnesses, and my family's got all kinds of problems. But but see, that that's the point. Why do I bless the Lord? Because, oh, I see now, he's the one that's given me counsel. Mm. He's the one that's given me the understanding of these things. Uh, and then, of course, we have the next verse, which says, in the night also my kidneys instructs me, and I have no idea what that means. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, but well, that's kidneys okay, do Lord. instruct us. They do tell us, yeah. okay, that's enough water here, buddy. You know, this is enough. <laughs> so is that what it means? You know, that's what it means. <laughs> oh, so here's, here's what my wife says. This is my wife now, so don't, don't send me any letters. Uh, in the night, also, my kidneys instructs me. He said, well, maybe David had to get up to go to the bathroom a lot during the night. See, <laughs> oh, there it is. Thus says the Lord. 
through your wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely that inward, like I would definitely look at it. Dr. Um, Selaska talks a lot about this. The ESV says heart. And there's, there's a question mark on is heart and kidney quote the same thing, but definitely that inside, inside myself type of language, the, the splachna compassion of Christ you know, just that understanding of the innards that we have that, you know, from the bottom of my heart, the language that we'll use, that definitely there's not a part of us that this does not include that the Lord gives me counsel and he basically gives it throughout the whole body is kind of what I was interpreting as we were reading this, um, that that our whole body tells us things that we should be doing. And that is something also we give to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Um, well, I guess so, so my kidneys are not wrong is probably another way to look at it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he asked so, the Lord for help. He asked the Lord for help. That's one of the main things I saw here. And, and I love that interpretation that it's all the way through us. It's all the way through us. Like you right, said, it's not right. just outwardly, but it's also in, in the depths of our inners, the kidneys. Uh, although it is interesting, see, it, it, you have to wonder why kidney there, because in just a couple verses, we will have the word for heart. It is the right. word that's normally for heart. But 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 I do, I really like that understanding. Uh, uh, and, and, and the other insight that Luther has about it, when do we get it on the inside of us? At the night. At the night, and night again is usually an image in the Bible and in the New Testament as well for the bad times, right? That's when you need to be worried is in the darkness in the night. But then, of course, the light comes and, and the dark goes away. Uh, and so, again, it might be reflecting the same thing that, Lord, here I am needing your help. I need you to preserve me. I, I need you to be my refuge. And yet I know that actually even in the night here, even in my darkness, I'm something inside mm. of me is going to understand uh, that I could not have understood by my own reason. Yeah. And this is where... I remember heard Dr. Just speak about this with the hymn Abide With Me when he was speaking about the evening, that that there's something about that evening that is a darkness that not only happens outside, but also in our hearts, that there's a, there's a, there's a darkness there, which is why we pray and sing Abide With Me. So I think there's something to that, too, at night that we know that that light of Jesus is there still. And this is where verse 8 when it speaks about, I shall not be shaken, that one's kind of hard to teach. But when you hear it, you kind of, you understand it. Like, okay, I understand what it means to be shaken. Because if you're anything like me and most people I talk to, they understand that moment. You're so scared that you're almost literally shaking um, because of that. But with the Lord, we do not have to fear because when the Lord is with me. Once again, as I said, the language goes back to Psalm 23. You know, even though I walk through the valley shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, that kind of language. Anything about that, the shakenness um, that when it says he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. What does that mean for us? Well, and and see, I think you've, uh, uh, all of this hangs together. So we've had preserve, we've had refuge, uh, we've had the cup that could be a cup of struggle. Now we've got the night uh, where the heart is instructing me. And you're right. So this all culminates now in verse eight, where it says, okay, all of this stuff has happened. I do get shaken sometime, but no, no, I won't really be shaken. Not, Not shaken maybe to my kidneys. Right to my core, I might be shaken mm-hmm. on the outside, but what's inside of me? No, no, because I have this very simple truth: no matter what, the Lord is at my right hand. No matter where I go, even if I should go down to the depths of Sheol, 
as we'll see in a moment. I won't be alone, will I? No, no, the Lord will be with me there. Um, so I, I really like the way that's all tying together yeah. uh, around this one simple promise, no matter what, you know the Lord will be at your right hand. And, and I'm thinking that's what is really great about Jesus on the cross, because there are some times when we do feel like we are forsaken. And I've always told people, well, you know, at least one person's there with you who knows exactly what you're going through and feels exactly what you're feeling. The Lord who also cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So no, the Lord will always be at our right hand, even when we feel like he isn't. Isn't that incredible? And this is what is really powerful to that point is we will speak about Jesus being at the right hand of God, meaning in the place of favor. And and here we hear of the Lord being at our right hand and in, in our favor, but then we are also in his favor. I mean, it's this wonderful language of identity that knowing he is, because we'll say the Lord is with us, which is obviously very biblical. But here he steps it up a notch and says, he is at my right hand, meaning at my favorite place, in my comforting place, in the place that I need that help, um, that the place you want to put people that you love and care for and all of this. And he uses that language here. Not okay, God's not just out there with us, quote unquote, but he's right there with you in the place of your own favor. Any any thoughts on that before we get to the rest? That I found well, that to be very wonderful. Well, yeah, see that and, and see and, and we've seen that through this whole psalm. Uh, what a nice insight, Brady. It's always reciprocal, isn't it? Because at this yeah. point, we're not going to be shaking because the Lord is my right hand. And then when we get to the end of it, well, we're at the right hand of the Lord. We're going to have that. Uh, and see, that's how it works. That's how it works. But it all works because it's the instigation of the Lord Jesus Christ, not at our instigation. Um, right. there, there is a, there's a word in the Psalms that troubles us as Lutherans, where David says, I have found the Lord. And we don't mm. like that because, well, Lutherans were taught, no, the Lord finds us. <laughs> but, but don't you see? No, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Lord finds us. If you're a lost sheep, trust me, you know the Lord found you, okay? But, but once you're found, it kind of becomes reciprocal, doesn't it? We we can say, yeah, I'm at the Lord's right hand. He's at my right hand. And it's complete. It's full. Uh, nothing, nothing is lacking. All good things, as David began the psalm by saying, come from the Lord. Um, and, and that's the understanding, though, that, that we're not there because of us. Because as soon as you think you're there at the right hand of the Lord because of what you've done, doubt will creep into your mind. And the devil will foster that doubt because there's all mm. kinds of reasons why we would think that maybe we aren't in his right hand, which is why then the Lord has to come and say, well, yes, you are at my right hand, but that's because I'm at your right hand. <laughs> right. Does that make and, any and, sense, and Brady? It, it goes it goes back and forth. Same thing. The yeah. devil easily yeah. say, is the Lord really with us? And David is, he's not only proclaiming to himself, proclaiming the truth of God, but here he's hes fighting hes fighting evil right now with these words. Yeah. I will not be shaken because I know my identity is in the Lord. Pastor, we have four I, minutes left, so I want okay. to read the rest of our verses before right. we say anything but, more. But, but, <laughs> before you read them, though, before just real quick. Yeah. So these next verses point out the one time in our life when we might really think that God isn't with us. This ah, is the good. ultimate thing, uh, the ultimate challenge to our faith. And it's going to be answered right here and now. Verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy ones You path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures 
forevermore. Pastor, like you said, this is where where we need it. What is David telling us that we need? So it's fine for you and me to tell people about God being with them, but when you've lost a loved one or when you yourself are facing death, man, that's when the devil works overtime because he says, well, yeah, sure, God said he was with you, but where was he when your beloved wife died, when your child died? Uh, where is he now that you're on your deathbed and at any moment you're going to die? And, and that's why we've got this beautiful, beautiful passage. No, no, it's precisely at those moments when it would seem like God has abandoned us. No, he will not abandon our soul to Cheryl. Our flesh will deal secure. Let your Holy One... The Holy One will not see corruption. Uh, um, and of course, that's where Paul and, and Peter uh, preach in the book of Acts. And they say, you know, David isn't talking about himself here because David's body is with us. We've got his bones. We know where his tomb is at. But he was looking ahead. He was seeing his son, the son of David, who indeed would die, suffer, lie in a tomb. And yet, nope. Nope, he would be resurrected. And and here's the beautiful thing about that. Uh, Jesus said, I'm the first fruits. So look at what happened to me. I died. I suffered. I had doubts. My God, my God, why would thou forsaken me? But guess what? Nope, no, the Lord was at my right hand. I am now at the right hand of the Lord. And so it will be for you too. There's the proof. There's the evidence. Uh, it doesn't come from anything we're experiencing, but it comes from what the Bible has taught us about Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. And Pastor, as we get to our last minute here, how would you encourage our listeners and summarize Psalm 16 for us. Well, let's just do the last verse. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, we just talked about this this last Sunday, that we have to grasp the fact that everything we have on this world that we love, we're going to give up. We're going to lose. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. It's all sinful. It all will go down to Sheol, as it says. But here's the beautiful promise that Jesus Christ makes to us. Everything you lost, he says, everything you lost in this world, you're going to get back a hundredfold in the life hereafter. And we can be sure of that because it has nothing to do with anything we've done, but it has everything to do with what Jesus Christ has done for us. Pastor John Lekomsky of co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, which, by the way, Pastor, I just, I just received an email that said that starts at 1225 or 1230 on Mondays, not at All right. noon, just in case you're wondering. Okay. <laughs> Giving us God's strong <laughs> word from Psalm 16. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for being Thank you, guest. Brady. <laughs> I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.